Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Thank you for joining me. You're listening to part two of my conversation with Robert Bradbury. We're talking about some of the different ways that kids are getting access to drugs. Are there any signs um, in their communication, like maybe the messages that are being sent that something wrong like that might be going on? Um, What they're using a lot of these days, and I've confirmed it, is emojis. Different emoji patterns refer to different drugs. Um, I mean, you'll see like... um, you know, you'll see the emoji for pills. You'll see emoji for a train. Um, I, I mean, you can look it up, just do a Google search. But kids use emojis for everything, and the drug dealers are using it too. Um, some of the other, they use a lot of these messaging apps for communication that just don't store anything on the server, and they burn. Um, another thing. I've learned that's popular is cash app because you can send money without a, and be fairly anonymous with it. But, you know, you, you see your kids with a cash app card, question it. Why do you need that? They, you know, trust your gut on that. But as far as the emojis go, if you can monitor your kids' phones in usage, Go for it. I mean, there's enough parental software out there. I recommend it. You know, we have the technology to be two steps ahead of these kids. Use it to your advantage. You know, it's better to do that than to be in the foresight and and say, well, I never saw it happen. Please don't be one of those parents. It's interesting. I went to the uh, DEA website. Uh, There is quite a bit of helpful information on pretty much uh, any type of abusive drug that you're trying to research. But the one I was looking at specifically was fentanyl. And there are a, there's a list of several code names that are used to refer to fentanyl in the show description. I'm going to provide a link to that specific page where that's listed. And on that page, you'll find a whole lot of other useful information about fentanyl, then this will help you with trying to determine if, if you have anyone within your household that that's at risk. So, you know, some of the warning signs, but yes, there, there are code names as well, uh, for this drug. So if you hear any or see any of those names or those terms or words being used, that should also be a red flag. Uh, Absolutely. You, You know, a lot of these kids are not searching out for fentanyl. They're looking for, you know, Xanax, Percocet, um, and Adderall. The DEA has seized those pills, and they've actually published up one of their photo uh, sites that shows you the real pill, the counterfeit pill. These um, illegal drug makers are using this 
as a way of making these counterfeit drugs. So e even though we're saying we're talking about fentanyl here, your kids more likely are seeking out other drugs and they come in contact as fentanyl because it's the undisclosed ingredient in these counterfeit drugs. That's the part that's scary to me. It's not a matter of you don't know how much you're getting. You don't know if you're even getting fentanyl or not. You don't know what you're getting in these in the, in these counterfeit drugs. Absolutely. You know, I, I I strongly advise to, you know, anybody, especially our kids, don't ever take anything that you don't know the source of. If it did not come from a pharmacy, if it did not come from over the counter, you don't know what's in it. Don't even take it. A very wise advice. What happened uh, where we left off where he was living with your brother and he was doing very, very well after that. And then from there he moved in with another druggie. And then it seems like from that point on things went downhill. Yes. Yeah, they were living together all the way up till October of this year or this last year. And with all these prior overdoses he's had, I, I just knew it was a matter of time. I, I'm going to get the report of he's passed, you know, I, you or I, if we have an accidental overdose or even if it's an intentional overdose, I, I think we would both be scared not to repeat those actions. You know, they had used Narcan. For those who don't know what Narcan is, that's a, um opiate antagonist. So if somebody's having, you know, the opiate overdose, they – the police or EMT administers this nose spray and immediately combats the effects of opiates. In fact, you as parents, if you feel that there's a high risk in your home, you can actually go and purchase this from the pharmacy. I'm not sure if you require a prescription or not, but it's something you can have safe in your home. Um, anyway, so the moment he, the other friend moved out, that's when I knew it's just a moment of time. You, you don't expect you don't expect the news of finding out your child's dead. You know he's leading down that path that's going to happen because of the risky behaviors he's taken. But you just cannot prepare yourself for that moment. And, and so it wasn't till January seventeenth. I got a call from his grandmother that she hadn't heard from him for more than 24 hours. You know, she's like, last I heard from him was at midnight, you know, that would have been Sunday morning. And I haven't heard from him. So that Monday morning, Martin Luther King Day, I get the call about 1030 to go check on him, do a wellness check. He was supposed to have been at work too. You know, he lived here in Keene. Yeah, I'm not too far away, so I went to go check on him, found his door to his apartment unlocked, and walked in and found him face down on his ground in his kitchen, dead. He was there for deceased for more than 24 hours and already starting to decay. And that was a smell that took me over a week to get over. Any little odor, it, it just flashed back to the site. Um, but like I said, that's not something as a parent that you can ever um, 
be ready for is finding your child deceased. From that point on, it, it's been a struggle, not just sadness, but trying to find answers. How did this happen? What was going on? The, the police came through and took everything they could, you know, for or of what they needed for evidence, any tablets, um, even as prescription medicines. So I have no clue who his doctors are. Uh, they took his cell phone as evidence. I still don't have it back, and I probably will not get it back until this case is closed. They performed the autopsy on him and awaiting the toxicology reports, which is still probably another six weeks out. Strangely enough, the police left his bong there, his big jar of weed. They're like, yeah, you can handle that. I'm like, uh, I need gloves, guys. I'm not touching anything without gloves. That, that's another scary thing with fentanyl is it will absorb through your skin. So it, it's that scary. But it, it was sad shutting everything down, his life, his apartment. He's sold everything, most everything he had. So the only thing he had there for entertainment was a TV, a smart-enabled one, and his cell phone. He used to be a gamer, you know, have his PlayStation, used to have a laptop, didn't see that, you know, just had a couple basic furnishings, his clothing and his kitchen, and that was it, and his vehicle, not much left, you know, so that when I tell you parents, you know, look for patterns, watch where the money goes. Without the police help, I couldn't find the answer, so I if you remember when I told you he tried to commit suicide back in 2016, he left me a suicide note, and it had all his account information and passwords. I was able to use that to get into a backup email account that allowed me to change the password on his current you know, Gmail account and use that to link it to Chrome. With Chrome, you can store your passwords and all your history. So I was able to start going through his search history and start finding out, you know, history, you know, what he was doing. And back in December, he searched, how long is fentanyl in your system? Can fentanyl be traced for drug urine tests? Uh, can you smoke Perk 30s? Percocet 30s, they're blue pills. That's a notorious counterfeited one that's used that contains fentanyl. So he, he was smoking fentanyl. And so I... Honest believe there was no foul play here. He loaded up his bong with weed and fentanyl, ripped it, and just it hit him, froze his diaphragm, and he just landed flat. On his arms were to his side. It didn't even show signs of catching himself. It hit that hard and quick. Wow, it's hard to even imagine something hitting that strong it's hard to imagine even thinking about taking something like that and not having a fear any kind of fear of the consequences of what it might do to you yeah it's scary i i know this was not a suicide most people you know go commit suicide they want to go peaceful as possible you know so they'll leave notes or you know try leave arrangements but this was, you know, still a bowl full of burnt weed in his kitchen. So I, I don't believe there was any foul play there. But I, I still, 
you know, have unanswered questions, which I'll never get the answers to, but at least I have enough answers to know what I believe really pushed him down in depression in order, you know, what drove him to want to take this. I looked at his bank accounts. He was making $15 an hour. You know, he lived at an apartment that was $600 a month, all bills paid. He had $350 car insurance. And if you add say phone service and food allowance, he would still have about $500 a month left over, you know, to do whatever. But between his cash app, PayPal, and his bank account, there was a lot of money going in and out from him and from friends. So I, I really think this drug problem was a lot deeper than what we've seen. So that's why I say follow the money trail. Do you think the intention was to commit suicide or do you think it was just by accident? But his mentality was that he didn't care either way. I, I think he was being very reckless and he didn't care. I mean, I don't believe it was suicide whatsoever. That seems to make sense from what you had shared with it, because it just seems like he just had given up possibly long time ago. But at that point, he was just just living to numb himself to get through life on a day to day basis. And then whatever happens, happens. That's well well put speak to that father that is that may be going through something similar to what you have i know we talked about some of the tips and whatnot but there is there a way to really strengthen yourself and prepare yourself emotionally for that battle the best way to prepare yourself for this battle is build yourself a support network you know whether it's friends and families you know, try find other parents who've gone through similar issues that you've gone through. Just having that support network there to help you, you know, really makes a difference. If you can at all possible, try to kindle any sort of relationship you still you can with your child. It, it may be at arm's length. You, you know, you can't trust what they say. Still at least try to keep some sort of connection with them. Maybe you can find a red flag or, or just get through to them. Try everything the best you can. That way, in the event this does happen, you can tell yourself you tried your very best and you don't have to live with the guilt of what if. What gets you through this spiritually? I feel peace over this because I, I know he's been battling this battling this abandonment for 20 years and he's at peace now it, even though he pushed me away I, I he's still my child and i still love him but now i i feel at peace because he's no longer in pain no longer having to fight the issue you, you know my mother left me or my father took me away from my grandmother too early He's, it's a chapter in my life. It's sad that I have to close it, but I can close it and be at peace with it. I think that's a great way to put it. There's no way anybody else could understand what he was going through fully without being in his shoes and having gone through exactly the same thing. So it makes it difficult 
for anyone to understand and try to say, oh, I, I know exactly what that is, unless you've been there. The things that go through my mind when I see that or I hear or read stories like this are just how much hurt and how much suffering someone has to be going through to put themselves through that to the point where you really don't care whether you live or die. There, There is a whole lot of a whole lot of pain that's going on there that is trying to be masked or that that person's trying to cover up just to live, just just to get through from one moment to the next in the day. It helps to create a lot of empathy into what that person might be going through. A lot of times we just see the surface. We just see, oh, well, that person's a drug addict or they just won't get off the stuff or they just won't they just won't get help or they just won't. it's so hard to miss what's going on underneath and what's going on deep inside i i do have to say what's been really shocking about this is he's kept a lot of this pain and a lot of his issues hidden i've had so many people just outpour love for him you know his friends and colleagues from work really shocked me they never saw the other side of my son that my family and I, we've all had to see and deal with. So, I mean, that at least gives me hope that he's was a good person, you know, especially, you know, good to society and was uh, seen as a caring person. What do you think is the most helpful, the most helpful way that an individual, someone can support a father who is going through what you're going through? Best way th- to support someone is just be there, you know, be a willing ear. Now, for me, this was a very financial shock and the outpouring of love. They also outpoured, you know, financially as well through a GoFundMe I had. Uh, I'm unemployed at the moment, really searching for work. And I I was really sweating what to do. I, I couldn't afford you know the cremation service and where i wanted him buried and they came together and we raised over ten thousand dollars and it helped me it gave me a chance to deal with this and helped me you know not have to worry about the money and actually grieve myself and help you know go through the healing process would it, is it also helpful for someone to just ask to what that father's needs are? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it depends. You know, us guys sometimes we shut down because we're trained. You know, you know, if you're a little boy, you bump your, you know, scratch your knee, don't show emotions. So I, I take it back. You, you know, maybe take that person if you can, take them out to dinner just for that moment. Get them out of that situation where they can have a moment just to decompress. For guys, I think that that is so important. We, most of us respond very, very well to that, to just having that escape. Uh, Yeah, dinner, um, go watch a game, go bowling, go do something just to kind of get us out of our inward thoughts or spiraling thoughts or whatever and just free us up a little bit so we can just breathe um for just those few moments we can put those burdens down and just let go and 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 enjoy 
what feels like a little normal life just for a little bit before we have to go back in the ring again. And I can, I can just say that from just some of the losses I've experienced in my life. Uh, every time I've had that chance or someone came along and gave me that chance just to get away and yeah, do dinner or something like that or some other activity, it's just helps to, to free your mind from that stress. So I'm, I'm glad you said something. Absolutely. I want to say something too spiritually. And that is when it comes to situations like this, uh, and this might be the awkward elephant in the room uh, when it comes to funerals um, and circumstances that are like this or somewhat closely related to this. And depending on what denomination or whatever the case may be that you come from, there's all kinds of various uh, schools of thought and theological opinions and whatnot on, on what happens after death and all this other stuff. There's, there's so much that goes on around that. And some of it, in my own opinion, I think can be extremely destructive, uh, especially when someone is trying to find meaning out of something that feels so meaningless. So this is what I have to say about this. Your son is also God's son too. And God loves him just as much as he loves you, as much as he loves all of us. And for me, this is a biggest, this is one of the biggest comforts. With everything that you know about your son, there are things down to the soul, down to the heart level that God knows about him that we don't know. And all we know to do is, is look and judge by what we see and by what we know. We're human, and that's all we have to go on. But God is able to see something so much deeper that we can't see. And when everybody else sees actions, this person did this or this person did that, yeah, God sees all that. It's not like he ignores that. But what he's most interested in is what's going on inside. The stuff that is so deep that we can't even see it. And that's what he looks at. And everything that God does within that process is not only very sacred, but is also very loving. What we know of him is a very loving and a very, a very merciful God who loves us beyond what we can. We're, we're, even, we're not even capable of fully grasping and understanding just how deep that love is. And that, that goes for your son. He is in the best possible and imaginable hands that, that we can ever think of. He is safe and he will never be not just outside your memory, but he will never be outside God's memory either. The most important part is he'll never be outside of his love either, ever, ever. For me, when I think of losses that I've experienced, that, that for me is, is a comfort. And so with that, I just trust him with that because I know from that, in that standpoint, it's okay. And yes, he is, he's not suffering anymore. He's at peace and he's free. Robert, I just thank you so much for just being willing to come on here, for being willing to share the story and willing to help out so many fathers. It, it means a lot that you were willing to do that. Um, I have unbelievable respect for you that you were 
even willing to do that, much less actually do it. So I appreciate that so much. I know there's a father out here listening that will appreciate it too. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. I, I My thoughts and prayers will be with any other father that's going through similar issues. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. What a powerful episode. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Please share this episode with anyone that would benefit from what you've just heard. If you missed part one, you can catch it by listening to the last episode. The links that were mentioned in the episode can be found by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking on either part one or part two of this interview and scrolling to the show description. If you are listening from a podcast app, you can find the links below the episode description. There's also a Facebook community where discussion and fellowship is encouraged. All are invited to join and participate. You'll be able to find many of the links and images referenced in part one and two on the Facebook page. If you enjoyed the episode and receive value from it, there are three ways that you can support the program. You can donate by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Thefatherhoodchallenge.com also has a store where you can find great gift ideas for others or yourself while helping to spread the word about this movement. Word of mouth and sharing through social media also helps make others aware of this program. Any way that you're able to support the Fatherhood Challenge is appreciated. Thank you for listening.